This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Matt Allison with David Lynch, Sean Bradbury and Theo Squires alongside me for this one. Transfers, summer plans, a look at Liverpool's Premier League title rivals and of course a mention for Everton boss Rafa Benitez. Nope, I've still not got used to saying those words just yet. First though, it could be a busy few weeks for Liverpool in the transfer market, with plenty of deals to be done this summer for players on the edges of their squad. With the Euros and the Copa America coming to an end and players returning from their holidays, things could start hotting up. And Lynchy, I'll come to you first on this one because things have started to move for Liverpool in terms of outgoings. Liam Miller today, we think, is going to be leaving Liverpool. What's the details on that one? Yeah, so it's a it's a one point five million uh, euro deal with with uh, Basel, the, the Swiss club. Um, you know, not not a huge sum, obviously, but not a player with a with a great deal of first team experience. He's had a couple of loans, and I think he joined the academy, didn't he, in in two thousand and sixteen, and and has only had one look in in the FA Cup. And I, you know, I think this has been coming for a while, but I think. You know, it's it's more evidence of, of Liverpool's system. You know, the system of, of just raising money through you know through their own academy. You know, we've had him in the academy for five years. He's only managed one first team appearance, but he's had a couple of loan spells where he's scored goals, done well enough to to earn himself a permanent move elsewhere. And it's just you know, it's more money in the kitty, isn't it, for Liverpool? And obviously, they'll hope that the start of a few players moving on on, on the fringes of the squad. Yeah, we're going to get into a few of those players who could well move on, Sean. But just in terms of Liam Miller, I think, as Lynchy says, it kind of speaks volumes really for the system that Liverpool have in place, not just their recruitment, but their player sales as well. There's a sell-on clause here. It is a decent fee for a player who, let's be honest, was nowhere near being a regular for Liverpool's first team. It's just another example, really, of Liverpool making the most of, of what they have, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think, you look at Liverpool's recruitment in, in the, the FSG and I suppose the Edwards era and obviously we all think back to like the likes of Coutinho, um, that, that huge deal that effectively saw Van Dijk and Alisson brought into the club, you know, a, a massive deal where you'd say Liverpool clearly got the best of it over Barcelona. But I think it's these ones, isn't it? It's the smaller ones where hard ball is played at the lower end of the scale where Liverpool really are in their corner. I think, you know, you there's absolutely no way you can guarantee and realistically you can't build a transfer strategy around selling a player at the at the maximized fee that Coutinho went for every few seasons you know perhaps you can try and do that a little bit but really it's it's what we've seen with the likes of you know Jordan Ives, Solanke, Brewster maybe you could start to say he's in that category although you know there's the the cover there of the buyback clause isn't there in case you know he he kicks on and kicks into gear and, and Liverpool still fancy him one day but yeah you know Miller and and a few others I think the fees that they get this season, especially in this COVID climate, will be will be massive really for Liverpool and to some extent will determine whether they can bring in a couple of extra players to just, you know, beef up certain areas of the squad. But yeah, we've seen it time and time again and I just think it's it's almost the it's not even the hidden backbone of Liverpool's strategy, is it? It's it's right there in plain sight, but they keep extracting good value for for players, you know, on, on the fringes of the squad. Yeah, so Liam Miller is unlikely to be the, the last player out of the door, either, Lynchy. I mean, there's been a few players that probably need to move on this summer, as we've sort of spoken about there. And I suppose we should probably go through each of them. We'll start with Divock Origi. I mean, it's been reported potentially that Liverpool might look for sort of 15 to, to £20 million pounds for him. And 
that kind of seems logical. There's some suggestions this morning that it might be that Liverpool want to keep Origi, but it's not quite how I read that situation. Yeah, I, th- I think suggestions that they, you know they're, they're happy to sort of keep hold of him and, and they don't want to sort of weaken the squad. I, I don't don't buy into that at all. I think you know the, the very fact that Liverpool are putting a price out there for Origi and, and that that 15 million mark is is being mentioned as the lower end of things. I think that's very much a bargaining position. I think I think Liverpool know that Origi will want more game time going forward. You know, he's he's at a point in his career now where he could do with, with playing more regularly. And I also think Liverpool acknowledge that they need a you know, a backup who, who's, you know, maybe a stronger player, a, a, an improvement on, on Origi, because I think the, the lack of game time in recent years has sort of hampered his progress a lot, hasn't it? And he probably looks back on that that contract he signed after the Champions League win with a, with a little bit of regret, maybe. So it's, um, yeah, he, he's, you know, there's potential there for, for Liverpool to raise more money. And I think it's, again, one of those where I think both club and player would acknowledge that a move will suit all parties. And I think, you know, maybe 15 million is a little bit ambitious and they, they would probably struggle to get that. But I think in reality, if Liverpool get a deal that's anywhere around 12, 10 to 12 million with, with some decent add-ons, maybe throw in if you're at the 10 million end of things, I think Liverpool would do business then. And I think Origi knows that his task this summer is to come back to Liverpool essentially with a move agreed and, and, and something they would, you know, a bid basically that they would like to accept. And I think, yeah, I, I, I think that's one that, you know, might take a little bit longer in the window to resolve. Um but I think it's one that will be resolved. I think I think both sides will will push that through, and, and Liverpool know that they they need to start building towards what the future of that front three is going to look like, and maybe a, a Jota style signing towards the end of the window to to replace someone like Origi. It kind of feels like the right time, doesn't it, Theo? In terms of of obviously the player himself moving on, we know what happened in the the eighteen nineteen season. He had his moments, signs that new contract, and it's not quite worked out for him since. It, it kind of feels like. As Lynch says, as much as it's the right time for Liverpool to move him on, he's at that time in his career where he really just needs to, to go and play regular football and, and get opportunities that you just can't really see happening for him at Anfield this season. I'd say it's almost too late for him, actually. Um, the fact that he probably should have gone earlier. like He didn't really do anything last season. He showed glimpses the year before. But the fact that he managed to fight his way back into the full team so effectively in the Champions League winning year, it was sentiment that he got that new contract. He probably should have left off the back of it because he wasn't going to top that. He was never going to get game time he deserved or he wanted at Liverpool. And he's just had year after year of warming the bench, getting the odd game here and there. And he'll get purple runs where he does go and score a few goals and he makes a name for himself. But he's never done it consistently. But he's never had the consistent game time to be able to go and do it. And it's a chance now where he can go and prove himself. Like He's missed out on a European Championships here by sitting on Liverpool's bench and not getting the game time. So he really does need to move on and make a name for himself elsewhere and prove that the player that can get these match-winning goals against Barcelona, score against Borussia Dortmund and all this, that he can do it on a weekly basis in a league, well, a major European league, whether it's a mid-table team, a team pushing for Europe, because we all know he's got the talent there. We know he's got the ability. He's shown it when he has had those brief moments for Liverpool. He just needs to be in a team where he can have a 38-game season and be trying to push 15, 20 goals. He's not going to get that chance at Liverpool, but you can say that about so many players. It's a case now with Divock Thanks for the memories, but it really is time for him to go and make that move now just so he can still have a bit of pedigree. Liverpool can get a bit of a fee for him rather than him just being forgotten and going at the end of his contract tail between his legs. 
I suppose the big question though, Sean, is who comes in for him, even at sort of 15 million, that's considerably less than what Liverpool would have wanted for him, say, two or three seasons ago. There's not really been a huge amount of clubs linked with a move for him either. It's sort of one of those that it's all right to say that he should move on, but there has to be that interest there from someone and Liverpool have to get an acceptable fee in order for that to happen. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I think the guys have, have called it right, really. You know, I've, I've just looking there, he played 182 Premier League minutes last season. And, you know, he's he's just turned 26. He's at his absolute peak. You know, I wouldn't go so far as to say Liverpool's hand is weak in this one. You know, obviously, there is that long contract there and, that was signed, you know, not too long ago. But I do think he'll regret. I agree with that. Um, and, it, you know, a fee would have to work for Liverpool and work for all parties. But, yeah, I, I just think, the longer this window goes on, he might not necessarily be the first choice for teams who are chasing a, a forward. But he is someone who has essentially just been rested for a season, hasn't he? You know, and when there's been a condensed season and then European tournament, Copa America, you know, things coming on the back of it, an African Cup of Nations coming up, um, you know, early next year. I think he's someone who you can make the case for being a, a fairly attractive option, and you know. I wouldn't be surprised if Liverpool, towards the end of the window, maybe did get somewhere near that 50 million we're, we're talking about. Because I don't think you could say clubs would have to be desperate to go for Origi. You know, I don't, I don't think it's it's that bad at all. You know, there were understandable reasons why he didn't really get a look in for Liverpool last term. You know, not least Diogo Jota's arrival and other options up front that you know had primacy in the squad over Origi. So yeah, I think absolutely the right time for him to go. And, and I don't think all hope is lost of Liverpool at least get a decent fee for him come the end of the window. I think so just to come in on that, sorry, just in terms of potential des destinations, um, Wolves get mentioned a lot and, and they have had in the past an interest in Origi, uh, you know, even when it was around the 20 million mark was getting mentioned for him. And I think, you know, you look at how their season went last year and, and, and how much they missed Raul Jimenez um, and how much they could have done with the backup centre forward who would have been ready to play those games and play in that system, has the physicality there to, to be that hold-up man as well. Um, you know, I think that would maybe be a sensible deal for them to maybe do as a, you know, as Jimenez comes back hopefully next season, to have Origi there as a backup and, and not put too much demand on him, I think would be a really sensible move for them. You must be hoping that Nuno's interested in him because if Spurs have a nightmare of a summer, Harry Kane goes like say right at the end of the window and they've got money to burn but no one wants to join them. Uh, you could manage to get an extra five, ten million on that fee. Just hoping that Spurs are in this desperate Tottenham stage that we've seen them do time <laughs> and time again, and they have to go. But oh, we'll just take Divock-Ari because we can get no one else. Is he almost the the prime example then, David, of Liverpool just needing to be a little bit patient? I know obviously there's quite a long list of players that they might be happy to let go, but you kind of can see maybe one or two of them happening a little bit later on in the summer. And if that is the case, then Liverpool will kind of just have to go. Well, so be it. That's how it is. Yeah, I think that's always how it works for, for clubs of this stature who are trying to move on fringe players. It's always the sort of those sort of deals always sort of tend to be towards the end of the window, just because you know you need to you need to do the dance, don't you? I suppose of pretending you'll only accept a certain fee and, and you know and, and generating that interest and, and clubs having maybe alternative targets who they end up maybe not getting. So it's um, yeah, I, I think I think it's going to be the same with a lot of Liverpool's fringe players. Is, is you know see what happens towards the end of the window and and yeah just wait in there I think you know a lot has been made about Liverpool needing to sell to buy again I think that's something that's sort of overblown I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of anger generated possibly between now and the end of the window I think people need to just be realistic about how this is going to work in the sense that 
you know, I think Liverpool, it's not necessarily they have to generate the funds, but they also know that they can't have this massive squad. They've only got so many Premier League spots for homegrown and overseas players, for example. So I just think it's one, and it's dictated by the likes of Origi and Shakiri that, that fans are going to have to maybe be a little bit patient. You know, these deals will probably get done. I'd be very surprised if a lot of these players don't eventually get their move away. Um, and, and then there's, you know, the the consequence of that is going to be that there's probably going to be some deals done towards the end of the window in terms of incomings as well. Um, you know, you can't all do it in the first week of July. It just doesn't work like that. I think, you know, and I think Origi's going to typify that. Yeah, very much so. I mean, Zerton Shakiri uh, as well, Sean, is one that's sort of been linked with a move, a price has been set. And again, it's one of those that you'd imagine if that price tag is met, he will move on. To me, he almost seems like a bit more of an easier one to move on. It, it sort of feels like there might be a little bit more interest in him. I think Lazio are among the clubs who are maybe taking a, a look at him and th- there might just be a little bit more interest in him maybe than one or two others on this list. Yeah, still, you know, proving this summer, isn't he, that, that he's an elite player and, uh, you know, he, he's, he's doing it on the biggest possible stage, which I, I always wonder how, how much does that genuinely help Liverpool in negotiations? You know, if he, if he scores a goal for Switzerland, does that really mean a couple more million on the transfer fee? I don't know, but, you know, it, it's useful, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a shop window at the very least. I, I do wonder with Shaqiri, though, whether you can look at it in two ways. I, I, I totally agree with you. You know, he's, he's a proven quality player who should interest a lot of teams, really, you know, and... Again, the same arguments in terms of Origi. Game time isn't really there for Liverpool. But on that score, I do I do wonder a little bit next season. I'd love to know what Liverpool's grand plan is in terms of formation because part of me wonders whether we might get a little bit more of a look in if he stayed than, than perhaps we think. Because if Liverpool switch it up a little bit to 4-2-3-1, which I do wonder with, with losing Gini Wijnaldum and seemingly at this stage not replacing him and... You know, the noises at this point are that they're okay with doing that. Although, you know, we've seen indications they are perhaps still looking at other midfielders who could who could fill those minutes in. But you look across the rest of the midfield and you wonder, is, you know, with injury concerns over a couple of players and, you know, ageing profiles in the squad, are Liverpool going to be able to put a competitive and, you know, robust three out every week? I'm not so sure. And then if you're looking at a four up front, obviously, you know, there's, there's a first choice four. That's quite obvious and stark. We all know who they are, but Shakiri, I think, either as the as the ten or you know the the one behind the front three or stationed on the right, I think could be an interesting option. So, yeah, I think often it's one of them, isn't it? We we hear noises from the club about they'll have a look at the player in pre-season, they'll see what happens. Um, I genuinely wonder though, in the, in this case, whether that might be true, and you know when they're looking at tactical setups and that that kind of thing, whether there's still a chance he could be around. Um, and you know if. If it was down to me, you know, if it, if it, if there were bids for Shakiri and Origi, and the club thought, well, let's keep one and get rid of one, I'd I'd, I'd be letting Origi go and I'd be keeping Shakiri in, in current circumstances. But um, but yeah, I think if Liverpool do look to get rid of him, then you know everything's in place for them to to get a pretty decent deal. Liverpool didn't pay a, a huge amount for him, did they, Theo? But it does seem a little bit strange to me that they value Shakiri at less than what they would value Divock Origi. It kind of feels like it should be. The other way around, really, to me. Uh, maybe, but I suppose the market is so different to what it would have been 12 months ago, 24 months ago. Like, we were at a stage where Liverpool were asking 25 million for all of these players, and it is just the case of no one's got that money to go and spend on them now. Um, it's just, do you sell them and take what you can get now, or do you risk them 
becoming unhappy, staying behind the scenes or having to go on loan again, like we saw with uh, Gruwich and Wilson last year. I think Liverpool have had to be a bit more realistic just to get fees in. And then it's a case of just seeing how it goes. But with Shaqiri, he's the one I'd happily keep because you look at the, the other top teams in the Premier League, we're always talking about the depth they've got at their disposal. And Shaqiri is right up there with the best reserve options in the Premier League. Uh, it's not a case of like with Divock Origi, he's not got the game time because he's not got that ability. Shakiri, it's more the fact that the injuries have held him back. But when he's been fit and he's available there, he does make a difference. Like we saw him starting games in his first season with the club. He had a great run, didn't he, in that first half of the, was it the 18-19 season where he was scoring goals, got his brace against United. Even when he dropped out the side a bit where it was just 4-3-3 for the second half of the season, he was getting important assists against like Barcelona, Newcastle. And then he got an injury on international duty and he's been playing catch-up ever since. But when he's available, he does make an impact. Like last year, we saw he's got a, a lovely little relationship on the pitch with uh, Thiago, doesn't he? When they were linking up, they can read each other's games so well. And it's one where, like, like Sean said, we well, can play as a number 10, he can play on the right. But Klopp's also like him in that midfield three, just if they want to go attacking there. The only thing that could count against him is they've got Harvey Elliott. Like Harvey Elliott can do that role. He's younger, he's Liverpool's future. It's a case of if you're happy with Shakiri being this squad option, if he's happy being this squad option, and then you accept you're probably going to have to sell him at a loss at some point down the line or let him go for free at the end of his contract, or whether it is now just sell him for what you can get and turn to Harvey Elliott. He might not be able to make as consistent an impact off the bench, but it's going to benefit him in the long run. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I think you can kind of put Takumi Minamino in a similar kind of bracket as well, Sean. One of those that probably would benefit from a 4-2-3-1, can play a couple of different positions, isn't necessarily going to have to be in that first 11 week in, week out, but could probably still have a, a fair bit of use for Liverpool next season. I'm sure if a huge offer came in, they'd consider it. But you can kind of see Minamino, even though he kind of falls into the broad category of possibly might leave, Equally, you could probably just see him stay, stay where he is at Anfield next season. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. Although I'd probably sway slightly more towards him him leaving now because you know maybe this is quite a basic interpretation of it. But you know, you look at a lot of players who come in at Liverpool and needed that period of adaptation. Um, you know, the obvious ones, isn't there? Robertson, Fabinho. You can maybe say Thiago is is one who is in that boat now. The decision was clearly made that that would happen at Liverpool and, you know, a couple of these players, if not all of them, are coming in at a higher profile and of a more obvious squad need than Minamino. But the fact that it was obviously determined that that wasn't really going to work and happen at Liverpool and he had to do his learning elsewhere, I think makes me think perhaps there's there was more to do, uh, you know, bluntly. Um, and, and therefore, I do worry, you know, is, is, is his future as kind of certain as... He would like, um, so yeah. I, I I wonder whether you know there's a there's a bit of a shop window aspect to to where he's been, and you know it wasn't the greatest spell, was it? And I think him, himself and Hassan Hootel were were open about even there. It, it took a little while to get things going, but he had a couple of highlights, didn't he? And there's a, you know a little bit of, a little bit to show for it. So yeah, I, I wonder whether this is this is the end of the road for him. And ultimately, it was one of those if that if it does turn out like that. It's not to anyone's detriment, really, was it? It was a it was a reasonable deal. You could totally see why everyone was convinced by him. I, I remember being at that Anfield game where he, he he lit up the ground and was was brilliant, and everyone came out and 
thought this is a guy that Liverpool should go for. The, the players have been saying that to the management, haven't they? Uh, we, we, we understood it. So, you know, no one loses anything in this. He's had a great experience if he does move on. But yeah, I, I wonder whether there's, there's a move to a different league uh, that beckons for him this summer. Where do you stand on that, Theo? I mean, he's a player that you can kind of argue either way. You can argue that he should stay. You could argue he could leave. Is it kind of one of those that Liverpool just assess the offers that come in, assess him in pre-season and just kind of not make it up as they go along, but almost just see what this summer brings? Could have literally to demonstrate the Minamino situation quite well, isn't it? Is he here? <laughs> is he not? Um, it's one where he's probably a bit further down the pecking order and Liverpool would look at it as if there's a decent offer there, they will sell. Like We can look at the deal to bring him in. It was a gamble, but it was a low-price gamble. He's one of those players that probably needed that middle move first, didn't he? Like If he'd gone from Salzburg to Leipzig and then Liverpool were signing him two years down the line, admittedly for £25 million, then you can see he's made that pathway. He's had that game time and he's stepped up and they can make that real decision on him. But they got him for such a low price. It was just an opportunity they couldn't say no to. And it's one where even at Southampton, he's looked a bit lightweight. It's whether he's suited to Premier League football. Uh, we know his versatility and he's shown glimpses of ability. But it's whether he still fits into that first choice Liverpool lineup and that, that style of play when he's got players ahead of him now in the pecking order. Like Even if you're doing 4 2 3 1 where you've got Firmino you put there, or Yotta, or even Thiago, it's Shakiri. You don't need him as such. And it's one where, does he want to be a squad option? Probably not. Um, with loan players in the past, it's very much a case of once you leave Liverpool on loan, it's usually the end. Like The only players that have managed to turn it around are the ones that you expected to leave anyway. So like Origi, because there was no one who came in for him, and Nat Phillips, they're the two obvious examples in recent years. But that wasn't because Liverpool wanted to keep them. It was just because Exix didn't materialise. There's that hope that Harvey Elliott can be different, and it very much was just give him early game time and now he's ready to push on. But Minamino, it kind of does feel like it could be the end of the road for him. But at the same time, what we're hearing from the club is he's never really been given a fair chance, has he? What with the pandemic, moving to the club uh, in the middle of the season, he's not had a, a full pre-season because everything was so rushed last summer. It could be just a case of give him a full pre-season. He's not going to the Olympics. He, he could turn out all right this year. This could be his year because it's all very well saying Liverpool might need a forward um, if when when Salah and Mane go to the Cup of Nations. But if Minamino's had a good first half of the season, that could be his opportunity. It just another one of those cases where Liverpool with the players, it's their decision. What do they want to do? And if Minamino wants to play games, he'll probably go. Yeah, Minamino and Shakiri almost in the same category. But I don't think we could say the same, Lynchy, for Taiwo Awani. And Lex apparently have had a, a bid turned down for him. And he's never played a game for Liverpool. He does have a work permit now, but... There's a, a little bit of interest in him, it seems. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, we'll uh, we'll transfer over to, to Sean for that one. Lynchy's uh, internet connections uh, not the best at this moment in time. Yeah, Lynchy just obviously gone to get that deal over the line. Good, good on him. So, <laughs> yeah, I um, I uploaded Lynchy's story this morning, so I will I will take this on. But yeah, I think he joined the Reds in what was it August 2015, and he's had something like seven loan spells since then, and. I really feel for, for the lad because of this whole work permit situation. And as Lynchy writes in his PC, he now is eligible to make that long-awaited debut, but it doesn't really look like that will happen. Um, I think Liverpool have turned down a bid from Anderlecht, um, which we understand to be in the region of about €5 million, Euros, and they're holding out for something nearer €8 million. Um, but from what we're told, it, it, you know, potentially 
that that could happen because it sounds like there is a bit of interest, not just from Bundesliga and and you know other countries where he's played and and had a good impact and shown that he can be a decent player, but because now he's got this UK work permit, it sounds like there could be a bit of domestic interest. I think West Brom was one club we were told were interested. There was um, a, a small sniff that uh, Rangers and, and Steven Gerrard could potentially be having a look, but I think that would be determined by the futures of other, other members in the Rangers squad. So, yeah, again, it comes back to what I was saying before. It, it's one of those where there's also been a suggestion of he'll come back and it, they'll have a look at him in pre-season, but you'd have to say, for all the reasons we've, we've said pretty much about every other player in, in that position, and, and you know, here, here's another guy you'd have to say is in a similar boat, that it's very unlikely that he'll be you know stepping out for Liverpool next season or even be in the squad. And if somewhere, I would I would suggest between the bid that they turned down from Anderlecht and the £8 million that they're looking for, if a, if a bid comes in somewhere in between, I think you'd be looking to compromise. And yeah, that'll be the end of his Liverpool career before it's begun, really. But... You know, at least he's had he's had valuable experiences at, at lots of different clubs. You know, he's very young still, isn't he? I think he's only 22, 23. So, you know, lots of football. Um, let's have a look, 23. So, lots of football ahead of him to be played. And, yeah, won't be at Anfield, sadly, but all the best to him. Yeah, no, I'm sure he's got a, a future somewhere in the game, whether it's West Brom, whether it's somewhere outside of England. I'm sure he's one to, to sort of keep an eye on. As you say, he's been at Liverpool so long, you kind of... Just intrigued to, to see what he's like and, and see what Liverpool are, are missing almost. But if they do get a, a bit of money for, for him, Theo, that will probably just encourage fans even further that there might be another signing coming in at some point this summer. And there has been one or two links, but there's not been a huge amount of, of credible links to, to forwards and, and attacking players for Liverpool this summer. If they do get one done, you're probably just going to imagine it's going to be similar to Diogo Jota last summer. It kind of came out of nowhere. It was done very quickly and it wasn't necessarily an obvious name. I'll tell you why we hardly knew they. <laughs> I suppose it, it depends. Like It's a case of Liverpool are happy with that first choice four and then they've got Shakiri, Minamino, Elliot as the reserve options there. They've got the depth there. You would be happy going into the season with those as your options. You might say they're not making the impact off the bench that you'd want, but they wouldn't really get the game time to show that they could. And then it's just what could you rise up and what does it count against these other players? Because if you bring in another forward, you're basically saying Minimino doesn't have a future at the club. You're saying Elliot's not going to get the game time that he maybe needs to make that next step. Maybe alone would be the best option for him. You still would like to see him bring in someone. Because you look at it and Salah doesn't really have that backup there unless you are just playing the long game with Elliot or what you're deciding with Shakiri. It's, it's that number nine, isn't it? Firmino, you can do the job. It's whether Yacht is that first choice for him or whether he's coming in, in for Barney. There does feel like there is something missing there. And it is one of those where with Liverpool have had the finances. We know they, they desperately needed the centre-back. So they went and spent the £36 million on Canate. And then it's addressing what else needs to be in the squad. I think any Liverpool fan will agree if you do further business with this squad, it will be the central midfield uh, to replace Wijnaldum and it'll be another forward. And then if you had money to spare, you'd look for maybe a right back if Nico Williams does go. But it's just priorities here and what they've already got in the squad. It will be a case of like Yota last year. You see what you can sell. You can see what the market's like towards the end of the window and see what's available out there. And it is a bonus that Yota was done like, overnight almost out of the blue completely because it's one of those where Liverpool could catch everyone off guard again. Uh, we know they've not been 
desperately in the hunt for Jaden Sancho, for example, and that's a glamorous name that fans would have liked. But you don't expect much to happen during the Euros anyway. You want it to be this like cloak and dagger stuff, waiting for something to happen. And while there's no guarantees that it will, uh, they obviously are going to have players they can move on, they can raise money, and then they can reassess the situation. Like Whenever we speak to Liverpool about the situations for players, it's never a case of we are desperate to sell this player. It's always we're happy for him to be in the squad. If they want to go and the right offer comes in, they will leave. And then it's just what Liverpool do. <laughs> That's why the squad is as strong as it is, because they're always a very ca- a case of they're happy with what they've got. If they can improve it, great. And that's how the best teams do their business. And that's why Liverpool have been so successful with Michael Edwards and Jurgen Klopp at the helm. If there is another player brought in, Sean, you'd imagine it would be done fairly quickly without much fuss. And I suppose at the opposite end of that spectrum, you've got that move that uh, Theo mentions there, the, the Jadon Sancho to Manchester United. It rumbled on all of last summer. It rumbled for the time that we've had this summer as well. That fee is finally agreed. It looks like they're going to go for Raphael Varane potentially as well. And, I'm sure there'll be a few Liverpool fans frustrated that they're not in for these sorts of big names, that Liverpool are not going after them. But are Manchester United proper challengers next season, do you think, with those couple of additions, if they do get Varane as well? And should Liverpool be worried at all? Should that influence what they do this summer? Well, I think they're certainly challengers, yeah. You know, I mean, they finished ahead of Liverpool last season, obviously, albeit only by, there's only a handful of points in the end, wasn't it? Five points, but they scored more goals. They only conceded, I think, a couple more. And you look at that Man United first team, there's there's a lot of goals already in it. You know, you already had three players, Fernandez, Cavani and Rashford, who bagged at least 10 in the league. Greenwood not far behind. And I, I think in terms of improving the first 11, at least, you know, on paper, probably Lindelof and maybe Greenwood in the sense of, if you're looking at them as, a, as your centre-half and your right-sided forward, if you could put two elite players who are right now ready to play at the top level in there in place of them, which they would be doing if if they follow the signing of Sancho with Varane, I think you'd have to say, yeah, shouldn't, suddenly overnight they improve. And I'm not, I mean, Varane obviously is, is good, has a lot of pedigree. I don't think he's kind of, for me, at the Van Dyke level, I don't think he'd be as transformative for them as Van Dyke was for Liverpool. But, you know, you're stationing two fellas next to each other who would have, him and Maguire will have ended up costing United well in excess of 100 million and has the makings, I think, of a decent partnership. Two well rounded players, you know, the fullbacks are solid. Um, I saw one, I think it was on the Manchester Evening News, there was suggestions that United, on top of Sancho, would be looking for a centre back, which could well be Varane. They'd be looking for another forward and another defensive midfielder. I think if they get all of those and they're of similar quality to Sancho and Varane. Yeah, I think I think you just absolutely have to say United will be will be right up there and will be pushing. And you know, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't be able to keep hold of most of the rest of their squad. And and Sancho, especially, you know, you've already got a front line that, in my view, is is quite dangerous, is quite unpredictable, can line up in different ways. Throw Sancho into that, and he's stretching teams more. He's making more opportunities for the guys who are already there, and he'll make them look better. So, yeah, I mean, I I think if Liverpool are back to the strength that we know they could and should have been last season were it not for what happened, you know, in, in uh, October and November with various injuries and situations. I think you'd still fancy Liverpool to finish ahead of United. Um, I certainly would, you know, if, if maybe if there's one or two more incomings for the Reds and the defenders are, are in reasonable shape come the start of the season. But yeah, you know, United, I think, already showed last season that they, they mean business to a certain extent and 
it certainly looks like the mean business in the transfer market this summer. So yeah, they'll they'll be right up there again for me. Yeah, a little bit of, of pressure, I think, on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer Theo to perform, but probably not as much pressure as there is on Rafa Benitez at Everton. We'll finish with a, a little bit of a uh, a talk about him. His move, obviously, to, to Everton has been confirmed, and it still feels a little bit strange. Where do you think they sit in terms of the sort of pecking order for next season? We know what their ambitions will be. Rafa Benitez at the helm, it's going to be an interesting one. It'll be interesting. Um, he needs his first transfer window, doesn't he? I know um, James Rodriguez was so important for him last year and there's rumours that he might be going to AC Milan. It's just, well, what, what can he do with that squad? What he can do with that fan base? Could lose one, two games at the start of the season and they'll be on him even more than they are now. It's a case of he has to have such a good start and bring him a trophy to just win them over. It's going to be very hard for them. Like, we know Everton in the past have struggled without the fans um, last season, they need them behind them, and it's whether the fans will be behind them when they've got a manager that most of them don't want, uh, and it's not going to be playing this attractive style football that most of them will want. They're going to be playing like nitty gritty stuff, and it's basically starting from scratch again. Everton will want to be pushing for Europe, but you'd say it's probably mid table looking at the squad at the moment, looking at all the circumstances. Their best hope is the fact that Arsenal and Spurs are still regrouping. So it's a case of out of those big three and then I suppose uh, Leeds and Villa is fighting for those last European spaces and see if you can make that first leap on the rest of the opposition. Because we can all say that the top four will probably be the same top four it was last two years. And then you can have Leicester in the mix fighting for it. And then it's just best for the rest. That's all Everton can hope for. And that's if everything goes their way, which didn't last year. It's just a bizarre situation for them. But we, we know what Benitez can do when he's got the back in, when he's got everything going his way. It's why Liverpool won the Champions League with one of the worst squads they've had in the Premier League era. It's why they managed to put in so many good European performances and challenge for league titles. If the ownership had been right, you wouldn't have been surprised if Benitez brought a league title back to Anfield either. If he's got time and he's got that back in at Everton, it's fair enough. He can go out and do his business. He can do well for them. But he's already two steps behind playing catch-up. And when it's going to be, well, pre-season's going to start and he's not going to have this chance to bring anyone in before then, it's going to be a tough job for him. It's an uphill battle. Yeah, it certainly is. Just to, to finish off, Sean, what do you think represents success for Rafa at Everton? What does he have to do, do you think, to get the Everton fan base on side? It's the big question, really, isn't it? Because, you know, you think about the perspective of Blues, I, I totally understand Blues who are against it. I understand those who want to see him given a chance. I also understand those who are a bit apathetic now because of you know what he is and what this represents. Yeah, I think it, like Theo said, this this transfer window is massive for him. And what we've seen with Everton over the past few years and under Mashiri's stewardship is an owner who does back his his managers with with money and you know what they're doing with the stadium resources and finances are there. And I think you know you you give Rafa that and it, it, it'll often deliver. You know that that's. What he lacked perhaps at times at Liverpool was that extra bit of money when there was a you know quibbling about a certain signing. It was often compromised. The, the first choice option wasn't taken on. So I'd say a good transfer window would give them something to get behind, I think, as a, as a fan base and maybe something to believe in. And I, I suppose one aspect of Rafa where there's a little bit of doubt is, you know, are, not are his best days behind him, but he's had probably eight to ten seasons where he hasn't been at the highest level and does he still have that kind of cachet to attract and retain the best talent? 
I think they'd want to see a little bit of that, and that would represent success. And then there's a piece on we've done today, just looking at Everton's first batch of fixtures, and they're not too unkind. So I think coming in and having a positive start would be would be big. Um, and then I suppose, I mean, the, the thing that Everton fans I think have got to come to terms with really, because ultimately this is this is about them and how how they feel. It, it's not about Liverpool fans really. You know, it, I suppose there's some who might think Rafa's tainted his legacy. I wouldn't agree with that necessarily, and I primarily put that down to the fact that, you know, Liverpool and the ownership kind of tainted Rafa's relationship with the club, uh, in my view, towards the end of things. But I, I suppose it's how he deals with Liverpool. I mean, I was out with a few mates at the weekend, and one of them was put in the hypothetical situation of Liverpool, Liverpool beating Everton in a derby at Anfield, and the cops start to sing Rafa's name. Would he wave back? You know, I, I just, I, I honestly don't know what he'd do in that type of situation. But I think he, he needs to, you know, just all the all the rhetoric and all the Liverpool connections, just like, just move away from them, plot a new course that's that's full steam ahead with Everton. And, and I don't know, it's it, it's a really interesting one. I I just think, not that he's got a free hit, because I think there'll be a lot of storms to potentially ride through in all this, but. The bravest man here in this situation is him. You know, I don't buy into this whole thing of, oh, it's a job on his doorstep and that's the only reason he's gone for it. I think to walk into this job and to put his years at Liverpool on the line and to go into the the wrath of, of, of what he's facing, you know, we've seen certain things from the fan base. We've seen certain banners that were pretty unpalatable. and But we've seen some legitimate concern from fans as well. You know, I, I don't doubt that. And I'd say the vast majority, or, you know, at least more than half on social media have got, questions and concerns about the appointment at the very least but yeah I think I don't think that's Rafa's choice he's a man who applied for a job and was given it so it doesn't work out it's kind of on the owners really and the the, the higher ups at Everton and the decision they made but it, it's so weird that I think the conditions are there for it to end in tears quite early but at the same time if there's patience from all parties he has a good transfer window he has a good start he almost manages to just kind of ignore Liverpool and ideally from the Everton perspective get a couple of decent results against them I think it could work out quite well. You know, he's he's probably the right balance of manager. You know, if you disregarded the Liverpool associations that they've been looking for for a long time, you know, they've, they've tried everything, haven't they? They've tried up and coming managers. They've tried tried and tested managers, if that's what you want to call Sam Allardyce. They've tried the Hollywood option of, of Carlo Ancelotti. So I'd almost say Rafa's Rafa's a middle ground of, of someone with a bit of status still who can build a project, can make teams hard to beat. So yeah. Over to him now, and as Carragher said, get the popcorn out because anything could happen here. Yeah, he certainly loves the challenge, does Rafa Benitez. Interesting times for Liverpool, for Everton and one or two other Premier League clubs as well heading into next season. But that just about brings us to the end of today's podcast from myself, Matt Addison, briefly David Lynch, Theo Squires and Sean Bradbury. Until next time here on the Blood Red Channel, thank you for listening and watching and goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.